0: Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18, I'm reading from the King James Version today, and it says, And be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the the Spirit, And I want to encapsulate the latter part of that, be filled with the Spirit. Uh, during this month, we have been or attempted to talk about the Holy Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders. And I know that, that our church is made up of a mosaic of people from all labels. We, we call ourselves the Pentecostals. That's just a label that's on our church. It identifies uh, our church. But truthfully, Pentecost, the word Pentecost doesn't really have a lot that we would just say okay pentecost because the word pentecost in the hebrew simply means 50 days that's that's all pentecost means it's 50 days but deeper than the word pentecost there there is a tremendous meaning that must be encapsulated and, and embraced because 50 days represents several momentous occasions in in Scripture. Most people believe that, that 50 days of the Pentecost was the day that Abraham offered Isaac on Mount Moriah. It also became a festival in the... Uh, land of Israel. It was the first harvest. It represented uh, the first break from, from winter and the growing season into the harvest of wheat. And so they would They would gather the wheat they would bring it into their communities their villages and they would celebrate the harvest they would celebrate this time of of achievement god's blessings upon their life and then scripturally we understand that it was the day of pentecost when the holy ghost was poured out acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says and when the day of pentecost was fully come they were in one place, in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. It appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember our our, our verse today is, Be not drunk with wine which in his hand in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And so it, it, it's an important event that happened in, in the church. It is the beginning of the church. It's when uh, 10 days after Jesus had ascended from the earth, and now the disciples are left uh carrying this thing called Christianity the church and so they're in a in a room somewhere some people believe it was a temple some people believe it was somewhere else but it was it was a g- place where they had gathered and their entire uh, premise was that they wanted this experience that Jesus had talked about Not only Jesus had talked about it, but in Matthew chapter 3 beginning with verse number 11, you will see that John talked about it. John said, there is one that is coming after me who is mightier than I because he was before me. "...whose shoe latches I am not worthy to unloose. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but there is one coming after that will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire." Amen. This is important, ladies and gentlemen. And, and so I, I want to address this very gingerly as we move through this because I want you to understand that, that, that the Holy Ghost is not just limited to people calling themselves Pentecostal or charismatic or putting some kind of label on them. The Holy Ghost is available for every believer. Every believer amen when Jesus talked about it in John chapter 15 he said I will not leave you comfortless or I will not leave you helpless I'm not going to leave you alone but I will pray of the father and he will send the comforter in my name now the word comforter there in the Greek means paraclete or helper So when Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost and he says in response to the men that ask him what must we do? He said repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now it is very important today that we understand there is a difference between the gift of the Holy Ghost and the operations of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Now, some people are a little wigged out about tongues and some people call it a prayer language and, and it's been all kinds of uh, surnames. But uh, when you talk about tongues and you understand in Scripture, in the book of Acts chapter 2, they spoke in other tongues. When you get to 1 Corinthians 13, they are speaking in an unknown tongue. And so there is a difference and you got to understand that. and We don't have time to explain that today. What I want to explain to you is that for everybody, believer there is the promise of the Holy Spirit amen The Holy Spirit is given us to be a helpmeet. It is given to us to be a helper. So he said, I'm not going to leave you helpless, but I will come unto you. He said to the disciples, and it was very important to them because they understood this and had walked with him for three and a half years. He said, I walk with you, but I shall be in you. Ezekiel said, there's coming a day when I'm going to take out the heart of stone and I'm going to put a heart of flesh. I'm going to take out your spirit and I'm going to put my spirit. Jeremiah said the same thing. There's a day coming when you're going to lose the old nasty human spirit and you're going to be endued with the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus said, one of the last words he said to the de- disciples on Mount Olive in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 he said and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you in other words the helper is coming to help you in all things now Joel would prophesy in the second chapter he said there's coming a day in the last days that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams Uh, all this is going to happen because i'm going to pour out my spirit upon the earth now let me just caveat this by saying that you need the holy ghost to make it through the baptism of fire because we often look at and say i'm baptized with holy ghost and fire There's a conjunction there. I'm baptized with the Holy Ghost, but as a Christian, we're going to be baptized with fire. As many as will live godly shall suffer tribulation. But he said, I'm giving you the Holy Ghost so that when you're going through the fire, you'll not give up, you'll not back out. And he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Oh, hallelujah. And so it is, it is very important that we slow down just for a moment and, and take a serious look at this. Now, Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 13, he would say, I cease not to make mention of you in my prayers, giving thanks for you. I, I am so thankful for what God has done. And he was explaining to them that God had predestined all this. He had established all this to happen. How many understand God is a God of organization? I'm trying I got the, the reins I'm trying to hold the horses because I feel like preaching a little bit right now but, but he said he said all of this has been placed in order before the foundation in fact you were found in him before the foundation of the world in other words even before you was a thought or a gleam in your daddy's eye you were a thought in the mind of the eternal God oh you better tap your neighbor and say uh huh And so he's setting the stage up, and then he gets to verse 13, and he said, I've been giving thanks for you. I've been giving God thanks that he's brought you into this thing and into this kingdom. And then he makes a very important statement. He said, my prayer is that the God of glory would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. See, ladies and gentlemen, it's more than you just going to church and getting educated biblically. It, it's more than you just learning Bible stories and getting some kind of a biblical literacy so you can, you can talk about a little thing. Paul is saying, I want you to go deeper than just knowing about God. I want you to go deeper than just being able to recite A Sunday school story I want there to be a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who he is I want the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened somebody say I need my eyes enlightened today when he says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened what he's saying is I want revelation to come I want you to get a revelation. Because see, sometimes religion (sighs) corrals us into an environment that we think that's all there is to it. But even after having the Holy Ghost for a long, long time, my prayer still is, God, I want everything you have for me. See, You, you you can drag Sunday school perfect attendance pins behind you and you can gloat in the fact you've never missed a Sunday school class and you've never missed a church service, but are you filled with the Spirit? I'm not talking about church house experiences today. I'm talking about a God experience. I'm talking about understanding that what I have. See, this is what Paul was saying when he said, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. When we are filled with the Spirit, we literally have God living down inside of us. Oh, hallelujah. Help me, Holy Ghost, right now. Whoo, And so he said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened to understand that there is more than just a church house experience. See, Jacob, when he laid his head down on the rock and took a nap, the Bible said that the heavens opened and there were angels descending and ascending. When Jesus said in John chapter one to Philip, He said, hero, you will see the heavens open and angels are now ascending at. (laughs) There's a shift taking place before the angels are coming down and going back. But now what you're seeing is, is that God has invaded the planet so when jesus said i will not leave you comfortless he says i will come unto you i'm going to live in you in other words there's going to be a flow reversal and now the flow will go up and come down it will go see that's why it's important to praise him Oh, you ain't going to help me today, but I'm going to preach a little bit. That's why our praise is important. Because religion says, I'll sit here and let him come down to me. But experience says, I'm not waiting for that. I will send it up because I know if I send it up, it's coming back down. And so Job said, let me give you a lesson in meteorology. If the, the water goes up, the vapor goes up, it forms clouds. And all of a sudden the clouds gather And they're full of water And they start raining And so what it means spiritually Is that when I praise him And my glory goes up All of a sudden something begins to happen In the atmosphere And glory (laughs) Begins to come down And so he said I want you to get A revelation And An understanding that the Holy Ghost is not for a select few. So you have in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost is poured out. In Acts chapter 8, Philip, who is just a lay person, goes down to Samaria and he begins to preach Jesus. And the Bible said he baptized the whole city. Can I again release this church? Baptisms are not just reserved for a Sunday morning experience. In in fact, if I could just get real blunt and candid with you, in the early church, there were more baptisms happening out there than ever happened because they didn't even have a church. And so Philip goes to Samaria, he preaches Jesus, he baptizes the whole city. And then he calls for Peter to come down and lay hands on them that they might receive the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost had not been poured out yet. The reason he called Peter is because Jesus had given Peter Jesus had given Peter the keys to the kingdom. And so they called Peter, and when Peter came down, laid hands on them, all of a sudden the floodgate is open and the Holy Ghost is released. Then you get to Acts chapter 10, because at this particular point it was Jews receiving the Holy Ghost. But Acts chapter 10, there's a man by the name of Cornelius who is a centurion of the Italian band, but he's been praying he's been going to the synagogue, he's been given of his alms, and he has an angelic visit, and says, send down to Joppa, and seek out one by the name of Peter, and when he comes down, he will tell you what you need to do. So Peter's up waiting for dinner to be cooked, and an angel appears to him and and says, hey, it's time for you to, to slay, kill, And eat and a sheets let down and it's all manner of unclean animals and Peter being the kosher Jew that he is said I've never ate shellfish I've never had shrimp on the Barbie I've never had mud bugs I've never had anything I've never ate pork Never had bacon, never, oh poor guy. Never, never had any of that stuff. Oh, a bacon wrap, pork loin. <laughs> help me, Jesus. Little fat back, oh Jesus, little pork belly, oh Jesus, help us. I know I'm the only thing separate you and lunch. But he said, I've never had any of that. And, and God says to him, don't call what I have made common or unclean. Quit spiritually profiling people because they don't meet your expectations. Quit racially profiling people because they don't meet your criteria. Quit economically profiling people because they don't meet your economic standards. This gospel is from the guttermost to the uppermost to the uttermost. This gospel crosses every language, color, origin, it crosses every continent. This gospel reaches for all people. And that's what God was saying to Peter. Don't call what I have made common. When you look at somebody, and even yourself, when you look at yourself and cut yourself down and slander yourself, you're slandering against the Almighty God. When you look at yourself and say, oh, I'm nothing, I'm just a failure, what you're saying is that God made junk. Don't call anything that I've made common or unclean. So after the third time, the Lord spoke to him and said, There's an angel, or there's a man at the door, and he's been sent here by Cornelius, and you're to go with him. And so Peter goes down to Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, and the first thing he says to Cornelius is, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. (sighs) Touch your neighbor and say, God is no respecter of persons. It can be a child on a bed with tears running down his cheek. Just say, Jesus, I don't understand you, but I need you. It can be an old man on a, on a bed of death and just say, Jesus, I need you. God is no respecter of person. If you'll call out to him, regardless of where you are or where you've been, he'll come near to you. If all you can do today is whisper his name, if all you can do is say, Jesus. Mm. He is no respecter of persons. But he that feareth God will attract his attention. And so Peter began to preach. He began to preach about the death, the burial, the resurrection. And verse 44 of Acts chapter 10 says this. And while Peter yet preached, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them that heard. Him. It can happen here today. I said, it can happen here today. See, what we've, you know, people, you mentioned Pentecost and people get all weirded out. You know, you you say, well, I'm Pentecost and people think, man, holy rollers, (laughs) foot stompers, hand clappers, Pentecost, those weird people that talk in that other stuff, you know, can't jabber and Pentecost. Pentecost has all kinds of stereotypes that's been placed upon it. And people, I've got a friend that that any that I see him, he he will ask me. He says, uh, "Where's your box?" I know what he means. You're all looking like a box, and you're like really? And what he's referring to is he wants to know where our box of snakes is. Because he thinks that we're Pentecost. We handle snakes. I promise you if you bring a snake in here, I'm gone. You will think the rapture took place. I'll lose my coat and my shoes and my breeches and I'll just be out of here. But Pentecost has all kinds of stereotypes and stigmatisms, you know, handling snakes. And, you know, that there's, I guess, a TV program that, that uh, one of the guys got bit and died just a, a few months ago. They were handling snakes. God did not tell us to handle snakes. I promise you, though, through him, if you need to handle a snake, he'll, he'll take care of you. But we're not going to tempt God. We're not going to tempt God. And, and, and so all these stereotypes and, and and oh, if if, if I go to that church, I'm going to have to do this or I'm going to have to do it. No, that's the beautiful thing about the Pentecostals. We are people from every walk of life. There are people that, that got it together. There are people that don't have it together. There are people that's on top of it today, and there are people underneath of it today. But we're just people that love Jesus, uh, and Jesus is doing a good work. Shout, he's doing a good work. Come on, somebody shout, he's doing a good work. he's He's doing a good work in me, he's doing a good work in me. Touch your neighbor and say, he's doing a good work in me. And some of us today, and I've got to, I've got to close, but some of us today, some of us today, if, if you knew, if you knew where the person sitting beside you came from, and the pit they were digged out of. Whew, Oh, you'd understand a little bit. See, one of the problems, ladies, let me just pastor for a moment. One of the problems is in a corporate church is we don't get to know people like they used to get to know people. I mean, we don't. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't get to know people. I mean, we want to know them until they find out something bad on us and then we're looking for a new friend. Because... Because if you really knew me, would you like me? It's like the man said, he said, if, if, you, if you knew what I was, you, you probably wouldn't sit there and listen to me. But don't get up, because if I knew what you was, I wouldn't talk to you. Because cause we we all been somewhere. We're all a work in progress. Thank God I'm not where I used to be. I may not be where I'm going to be, but thank God, oh. Thank God I'm not where I used to be. Thank God I'm not who I used to be. Thank God, you better be glad I don't talk like I used to talk. You better be glad I don't act, or oh, I'll lay my Holy Ghost down and you'll see the other side of me. You better be glad I got the Holy Ghost. You better be glad that God's working in my life. You better be glad I'm not stuck where I used to be stuck. But can I just say to you, don't look down on people that are still where you came from. I feel a little Holy Ghost up in here at people and then and, and look down your nose at people who are still stuck. It's only the grace of God that unstuck you and brought you out of the miry clay. It's only the grace of God. So, and so this Holy Ghost thing, this Holy Ghost thing, this Holy Ghost, who is the Holy Ghost for? Well, I'm glad you asked. John chapter 7 in verse 37, Jesus stood at the great day of the feast and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, and out of his belly shall flow rivers, rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. So there's a process. There's, there's a flow to it. The Holy Ghost is coming. But it's not yet. There's some things that have to happen. There has to be a death. There has to be a crucifixion. It was on the cross, very interesting point. Brother Jeremy and I was talking before service, very interesting point. I've talked about this previous lessons, but when Jesus was struck in the side with the spear, how many remember that? Okay, it is synonymous with Adam having his side ripped open. And the Bible said that from the rib, God made Eve. Eve. What was Eve? Eve was a help meet. Eve was formed from the man. So when Jesus is pierced in the side and out comes blood and water, it says there's a flow getting ready to happen. See, the Holy Ghost is not a one-time experience. We get all excited. Well, we had four people get the Holy Ghost. We had four, three people get the Holy Ghost. One of the reasons we don't recognize people getting Holy Ghost around this is because we want you to understand it's more than a one-time experience. And furthermore, you don't have to be in this altar to receive the Holy Ghost. You can be in your prayer chamber at home. Mm. You can be driving down the road in your car. The Holy Ghost is not confined to a church building or a church altar or or some kind of religious place of worship. The Holy Ghost is everywhere, it's for anybody. You can receive it wherever you're at. And we want you to also understand that it's not a one time experience. Because people say, well, back in 1939, on August the 4th, I got the Holy Ghost. Well, we're kind of wondering if you kept it. (laughs) Because the Holy Ghost is Christ living in us. So Paul would say to the Galatian church, I live, nevertheless, not I, but Christ is living inside of me. That's why somebody can cuss you out yesterday, but have a Holy Ghost experience today and treat you tomorrow like, my God, what happened to them? Because that old song says, it makes me love everybody. Oh, Y'all don't want to go there? (laughs) Makes you love everybody. It makes you love people that you had arguments with. It makes you be nice to people. And so Paul says... Don't be drunk on wine because it's a temporary intoxication, but be filled with the Holy Ghost, be filled with his spirit. And so when his side was pierced and out came blood and water, he said, I'm releasing something that 10 days later you're going to experience. It's the Holy Ghost. It's my spirit that will take up residence inside of you.